Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And you're You're about about to to get get jumped. jumped. Welcome to episode 146 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Kill La Kill episodes 11 and 12, where sound beats sound, Nui pulls that thread, and Mako reminds us that blood loss is a financial problem. Look, I'm just going to throw it out there that blood loss is a different sort of problem for many different people. Sometimes blood loss is going to be a physical problem, sometimes it's a fiscal problem, and sometimes it's a problem for your job if you're a person that's supposed to be delivering blood and you get pulled over by vampires. I mean, it's a very common occurrence in Transylvania. Anyways, let's jump in. I don't know. Is there an anime about vampire policemen? I don't know, but there should be. (laughs) There has to be. There's got to be. Anime's been around too long to not have squared that circle. So, hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome in. Uh, uh, I have a a very important thing to say before we get started today, and that is uh, that anime is for everybody. Um, I got very frustrated this morning. Uh, we're recording this, uh, this is Tuesday, um, and, uh, we are releasing on Friday. Um, but earlier this week, there were a couple of people that were posting things on Twitter, uh, that were talking about gatekeeping. Um, and that is a big problem inside of the anime universe. Um, it happens in other um, it happens in other nerd fandom. It happens things. everywhere, really. Yeah. But I mean, I was—I don't know. I, I don't want to tell you this, but I have uh, been pulled into The Bachelor by a friend of mine who invited us to a watch party, and now I'm watching The Bachelor. Oh, and uh, I've—huh? <laughs> Blake's gone full gay native. <laughs> oh yeah, it's horrible, and I hate myself, and I am uh, sincerely enjoying it. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm also watching a season of The Bachelorette because I wondered what that was like. And also, you know, maybe hot guys being shirtless could be fun. So uh, there's just so much like toxic masculinity there. But there was like this one dude in the season I'm watching who was like really pissed at another guy for a specific behavior because he didn't think it was manly enough. And it didn't like rise to this sort of nebulous idea of the guy code. And I was just sitting there and I was like, this is just gatekeeping like toxic masculinity is just gatekeeping for like how men behave in our society. Yes. Yeah, anyway, it's funny that you brought that up because of that shit. Also, I saw a tweet about this anime gatekeeping where they were like, if your only frame of reference is like these 10 anime that included like one piece, Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon. Uh, I think some like big hits like full metal alchemist or cowboy bebop were in there. Yeah. Or, and then they like ghost in the shell was the last one. They were like, then you're not really an anime fan. And I was like, this is a good list. <laughs> yeah. And also like get over yourself, man. I swear yeah. it frustrates the hell out of me when people are just like, you're not a fan. Cause you only like the things that are popular. And it's just like, Hey, look, they're a fan of some kinds of anime and I'm okay with anime being a big tent. I'm I'm not okay with the people that are just like I want this small thing to remain small because I like small things. If that yeah. is the if that is a problem for you, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to get over it. It we have wanted anime, a lot of people have wanted anime to be mainstream for a long time because uh, one of the things that happens when anime goes mainstream is that you start to get higher quality things that are coming out. You still yeah. get the fun little tiny shows that come out and a lot of those the 
little tiny shows are going to get either picked up or they're going to get way more money and uh, prestige because there are more people watching anime. So they're not going to be as many that just fall flat on their face. And that is one of the things that creates a really big variety of good anime. And that is a good thing. We over here at Blake and Spencer Get Jumped have always said that Rising Tide raises all boats. That is why we promote other people's things when they ask us to promote it. Literally, somebody today was like, hey, I started listening to your show. I like the show. Um, I started doing a podcast. I just released my first episode. Can you promote it? And I was like, yeah, sure. And they were like, great. And I was like, okay, I just tweeted about it. And they were like, oh, great. And I was like, yeah, if you ask me to do something, I'm going to do it. Because I'm like, I just don't think that people should be telling people that they can't do something that they love. And I mean, like, I had that conversation the other week about podcasts coming out and some podcasts being like bad inside of a medium. And yeah, like it frustrates me when people are putting out things and not putting effort inside of it. But if you're going to put effort inside of something, then people should try to listen to it and either give you critiques or um, just give you feedback on it if they want it to become better. And if you are somebody that wants more podcast or wants more anime, you should be promoting promoting other people doing the things that they love. And some of them are creating anime. Some of them are creating manga. Some of them are creating podcasts. Some are creating fan works. You should definitely promote and uh, like embrace the community and the people out there because the most, the more people um, embrace other people and make, make it so other people want to work inside of the medium, the better better the medium becomes. And it's just, it, it, there is nothing more frustrating to me than seeing somebody posting a list about popular anime and being like, you're not a fan unless you, you watch these very obscure anime that I watch. And that is my opinion, but it's also law. And I'm like, it's not, it's your opinion. Get over yourself. It's, you know, we, we're both uh, artists of a sort. Uh, Spencer and I both went to school uh, for theater. That's where we met each other. And that's a pretty unforgiving profession that we have, you know, both dabbled in in various ways and, and have found ourselves pushed in other directions. And that idea of kind of like, I don't know, gatekeeping the artistic community, it hurts artists. Like people who worked on, you know, I don't know, Naruto is hugely popular, but there's also plenty of people who don't like it. If you don't like Naruto, that's valid. If you think Naruto is no good, that's debatable. But like, if you are shitting on people for being into Naruto and calling themselves anime fans, then I don't know. I don't think your intentions are good because... Uh, one, Naruto's hugely popular. So if you're going to get into anime, Naruto's one of the uh, injection vectors that's going to start people off. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I have a friend who's gotten into anime by starting with Naruto. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I don't think people's gateway anime is always the best anime. I mean, I don't know. Spencer and I grew up in the era where everybody's gateway anime was Dragon Ball Z. Oh, and yeah. It's fine but it's been surpassed in a lot yeah, of and, ways and arguably a lot of people got into anime because they watched anime inside of america off of toonami and there mm-hmm. were people that were inside of america that were watching anime and this happened at the same time with that too where people were gatekeeping be like oh you watched this thing on on toonami you didn't watch it in the original japanese then you're not a true anime fan and i'm like look i get it some people like subs some people like dubs at the end of the day um 
they are a lot of very good voice actors that are working on things in different ways. And some people consume media in different ways. Some people, and I talked to somebody recently on Reddit about this. They posted this really interesting post about how this person was just like, I am so sick of being told that I am not a true anime fan because I don't watch dubs. I'm dyslexic and it's difficult for me to go that fast. And I'm yeah. like, look, that is a very valid piece of work that somebody is saying there that it's just like, Hey, it sucks to be me. I can't watch these anime at the same speed as you because not everything is simul dubbed, uh, and simulcast. And so, uh, some people that have difficulty reading in real time, they are not able to watch the subs at the same kind of way as you, you know, it's just yeah. one of those things that like you as an anime fan can watch it in your own way, but don't, don't, don't discredit other people for consuming media in the way that they want to consume it. It is shitty and I yeah. don't like it. And it frustrated the hell out of me this morning. It, and there's, there's, oh man, there's, this is such a complicated thing and there's so many things I want to say on it, but it's like, you know, if you, we, I don't, I don't know when we started this podcast, Spencer and I were big watch the dub if you can people and i would say now i rarely watch the dub um partly because it's easier i don't have to you like if i miss sub dub huh you got did you i was saying sub originally and then you were saying you were saying dub sorry subtitles uh, i'm dub is dubbed. i'm yeah i'm mixing <laughs> up my struggles here so we we would both watch subtitled episodes rather than the english language version of those episodes because, uh, you know, there's something fun about the original Japanese actors. It feels more authentic, whatever. But um, I I know for me that once we started meeting those voice actors, my opinion of voice acting changed. And I used to think that they were, you know, sort of doing these weird affectations, character voices, those like sort of you know, sounds they make when their, their characters are moving around on, on screen all felt kind of goofy and cartoonish in a medium that I generally liked because it transcended cartoons and it would tell, you know, more intricate and adult stories with more intricate and adult characters. And so I thought that that sort of voice acting tick was working against the things that I liked about anime. Now that I've met and spoken to some of those voice actors, I've been exposed to the fact that they are like, respectable performers who work hard on their craft, who understand performing, putting together characters, the same kinds of things that I learned um, training to be somebody who could act on, on a stage or in front of a camera. And, um, you know, it was really shitty of me to think ill of them beforehand. And I've probably said some things that I, uh, that if you pointed them out to me, I would regret having said, and I would not agree with anymore on the subject um, but the whole time I, I would hope a point was to encourage people to look into the subs and not to tell people that they were wrong for liking the dubs, even though some dubs are better than others. Um, all of that to say, that's, that's a form of gatekeeping and that gatekeeping, it only hurts the community that you're theoretically trying to support. And I think there's two types of people, people who think that there, you know, there are higher art forms within you know within anime and they want people to find those art forms and then there are people who just want people to like the shit that they like and i understand that you know it, it can sometimes hurt my feelings when i like something and i tell other people about it and they don't like that thing because i i take it personally and that's 
a personal problem because I, I get emotionally attached to things and it's not, you know, it's not fair to equate people not liking a thing that I've grown emotionally attached to myself with them not liking me and taking it personally in that, in that respect. Uh, but I, I understand people that kind of have that impulse, but you know, having differences of opinion is a good thing and being able to debate those things is a good thing. We, we've actually come up on this with some Naruto stuff where we've had people respond negatively to our Naruto coverage because they're like, if you like Naruto, don't criticize it. If you don't like Naruto, don't cover it. And it's like, it's not that black and white, you know, people can have complex discussions about things that worked, things that didn't, things they liked, things they didn't like, but you know, narrowing it down to this, like you're not invited to our party if you like X because you're supposed to like Y is really reductive. And I, I honestly, I can't come up with any scenario where that's really like super valid. It, it might be true that the things you like are like, you know, air quotes, higher art or or higher quality. There are absolutely better shows than others. Like we literally rank the shows on our podcast and like one of the series that we don't like is jojo's bizarre adventure which is a hugely popular series we've talked at length about the chimera ants arc for hunter x hunter being a frustrating and sometimes poorly told uh series and there are many hunter x hunter fans who thinks that that's the pinnacle of the series like and these are valid Mm -hmm. discussions and like us saying we Mm -hmm. don't like jojo's bizarre adventure even when we think that there are some like objectively poor storytelling decisions doesn't mean you can't like it a shit. I love Digimon. I grew up on Digimon. Most Digimon shows are not very well done. And the thing that I love about them, doesn't have to do with the overall quality of the show, but with sort of the underlying mechanics of the series. And that's okay. So, you know, I don't know if you, if you've only ever watched one anime I think it would be dubious to call you a fan of anime in general. But if you've watched more than one and you liked them, you're probably an anime fan. Maybe not to the degree as other people, but I would still say that counts. You know, if if you've only ever watched Pokemon and you are aware that's an anime, it's you're not an anime fan, you're a Pokemon fan. But if you've watched Pokemon <laughs> and Naruto, you can call yourself an anime fan. You might need to put an asterisk there and you might need to expand your horizons and see if there's other anime you like. But I I would say that that's a pass. Yeah. Anyways, um, all of that being said, we we do have coverage for this week. Uh, Sorry about our soapbox, but I mean, wait, I have news, something that's sticking my crawl. Okay, Blake has something to talk about. I I don't know if I'm interested anymore. Then let me walk over here. I have two things. One is sort of old news that I'm just getting around to which is that I broke down and bought a copy of the second My Hero Academia movie, uh, which is Heroes Rising. I watched it last night. It is good. Uh, (laughs) The bar for uh, ongoing Shonen series movie adaptations is relatively low. I would say this exceeded it by a a good margin. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was super fun. It gave me similar feels to watching the anime plot progress, but it was, you know, just condensed into a movie length. The Sakuga was just out of control. At some points it was almost too much, but I was just having a great time. I really enjoyed it. Um, And uh, then uh, there's a new series that I just heard about today from net, not a sponsor. They sent me an email and a push notification. Please stop doing both net, not a sponsor. I know you're listening. Stop fucking doing that. That's fucking annoying. But uh, they sent me both, and uh, the series that's coming out is called Thus Spoke Kishibe Rohan. And 
that series seems to be a fantasy retelling of the story of the writer of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. What? Researching (laughs) different areas, like traveling around the world, doing research for creating Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, but presented clearly in the same animation style as the, the show Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. And the the brief description on not a sponsor was that he is himself a stand user. So this is like a meta a meta fantasy history of the creator of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure being a Jojo's Bizarre Adventure character while researching places to write about in Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. So, uh, you know, as much as I dislike the series, it's a series that I'm constantly fascinated by. I do like part four. So far, I haven't watched a lot since the last time we spoke about it because of the way that I am. But, uh, you know, I think it's a a series that's got a lot of acclaim and this concept has really piqued my interest. So that will be almost guaranteed coming to a Monday pod near you pretty soon uh, because I think it comes out in a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, keep your eyes peeled for that. If you're interested in the uh, the bizarre adventuring, then this is a show that's going to be really up your alley, I suspect. Yeah, with all that being said, uh, the 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 thing that I'm going to talk about in this episode is also a, a thing for the the pre-show. I'm just going to fold it into it, but it is a very interesting article that came out. But anyways, before that be- happens, uh, Blake, tell us what happened previously on Kill a Kill. Kill a Kill is a completely over-the-top uh, show about um, sexy people fighting using their clothes. <laughs> Um, it takes place in a, everything about it is overblown. Spencer has described it several times in the way that I think is the best description, which is it is like a Saturday morning cartoon for adults in anime form, uh, because it's just wacky and often, you know, runs more on Looney Tunes logic than on actual physics. So, uh, it's a story that focuses on a girl named Ryuko. Her father was killed just before the series starts. She returned home to discover that. And uh, she believes that she knows the identity of her father's killer. Uh, That that person that she suspects is a girl named Satsuki. Satsuki is the uh, student body president at a nearby high school. And this is a ridiculous over-the-top anime high school. So it is basically a giant totalitarian government that controls not only the school, but the town around the school. And so she as student body president is basically the the iron-fisted ruler of this region and uh ryuko wants to fight her and get revenge on her father's death uh she is going to do so by having this thing um called senkets which is a sentient piece of clothing uh that is called a um oh hold on let me find the word because i don't remember it off the top of my head it's a kamui which is a special type of clothing Um, that is like super, super powerful and runs off of the blood of the person wearing it to, to power it and give, give them, you know, super anime powers. She also has a scissor blade. Um, It's basically like if you took a pair of scissors and broke it in half and used one of those halves as a sword, that is the sword that she uses to fight. Um, It's just a giant pair of scissors and it helps her to cut apart the competition. Um, Satsuki is guarded by a legion of uh, student student body members of various um i don't know class clubs of the school that ryuko has been fighting but recently uh after a challenge ryuko has earned the 
opportunity to fight the elite four, which are the four strongest members of the student body, theoretically, who uh, work directly with and sort of serve as the royal guard of Satsuki. Uh, Ryuko has already defeated two of the members of the elite four. She's currently fighting the third, and the final member of the elite four is a person that she's actually beaten before, but he's come back in a, in a stronger form. So she's actually in the middle of a fight with the elite four member Nonon. Um, Ryuko's, uh, Ryuko's uh, uniform, uh, Senkets, has developed new powers during these fights with the elite four, uh, being able to basically shapeshift and develop new capabilities in each fight so that they're able to more effectively take on their opponents. So right now Ryuko's uh, uniform has shifted into a flying mode so that she can fight her aerial opponent Nonon. Um, the final things you need to know are that uh, Ryuko lives with a, a poor family in the town um, with uh, specifically their uh, their daughter who's a classmate of hers is a girl named Mako. And uh, I think that's all the characters you need to know. And again, we're right in the middle of a fight. So that's going to pick up in episode 11. Yeah. So um, episode 11 is called I'm Not Your Cute Woman. Uh, this episode is great. Um, everything about this show is ridiculous. Um, and that brings me to the thing I wanted to talk about really quick before we get into this, which is that there was an article that came out um, very recently. It happened uh, in December, and it was it called The Uncomfortable Hypocrisy of Kill a Kill. Um, it mm. came out on a, a thing called Game Rant, and they were basically talking about how... Um, they they feel like the the breakdown of kill a kill is like these extravagant weird fights and also the they feel like it's disjointed and also that it has like too much fan service inside of it um this article brings up some like good points but also i feel like the the writer of the article kind of doesn't get it and this episode is really like a it it happens sort of entangled with this thing that is happening inside of the anime Twitter universe really well because this episode really shows you what the show is is playing with and that is the the bucking of fan service it is taking fan service and just kind of throwing it to the wind and making fun of it. Um, and that is exactly what happens inside of this episode a bunch of times. And the one of the first times that it happens inside of it is that uh, there there's going to be uh, the fight between Ryuko and Nonon. Um, they keep on going back and forth until Ryuko finally throws a missile back at her. Um, and when it is thrown back at her, she seems to be defeated and she keeps, she ends up showing that she has a, a, another form of her, her Goku uniform, um, the symphony regalia de capo. Um, and when she starts to fire it on Ryuko, there are a bunch of moments where they're watching on this little television far away. And what you're seeing is like close shots of obvious like play on fan service things and these are some of the moments inside of the show that if you took them completely out of context you would think oh it's just fan service being gross for fan service sake and when you put them inside of a show and you're watching it in actual chronological order and the build up to this it doesn't feel like that and that is one of the things that i think happens a lot of times when people write articles about anime that don't get what the anime is trying to get at. Um, I saw this article last year about One Punch Man where they were talking about how uh, One Punch Man doesn't seem to have a 
a a plot that makes any sense um, unless you're somebody who watches a lot of anime um, because it does a lot of things that don't seem to be um, to make any sense and don't seem to be very funny. And to people that watch a lot of anime, I'm like, it is hilarious because it is a meta joke and things that are meta for people that don't get the meta jokes are not going to get the thing. And that happens in theater a lot of times. That happens in a lot of, uh, it, it happens a lot in 30 Rock, which I think is a, to a little bit of the detriment of 30 Rock. Like they do continuity jokes. And to people that love continuity jokes, they're just like, this is my jam. And to people that don't, they don't get it. And so they're just like, I don't get why it's funny. And I'm just like, okay. So that just means Kill a Kill is one of those things that we'll say first and foremost that like, it's not for everybody, but Really, really seriously, though, if you are somebody who is picking up this episode and you're like, hey, I haven't really watched Kill a Kill, but I'm interested to see like what people are thinking about it. Welcome to the podcast, number one. And number two, you should really go back and watch it from the beginning so that you understand like how we got to this weird point with the fan servicey things that are happening. At this point, you're supposed to like take them as rote, uh, a lot of the jokes, and they just kind of fold them in. Um, so be yeah, aware of that. I, I have mixed feelings on that because on the one hand, I agree. I think the show does fan service as a parody really well. And as you know, Spencer and I are are on record hundreds of times saying that we don't particularly care for fan service um, in anime, uh, and you know often feel that it's kind of gratuitous or gross. I I've really not felt that at all with Kill a Kill, despite the fact that it can be pretty uh, pretty revealing. I mean, they're, they're the part of the running joke is that. Uh, you know, these characters are wearing very little or like, I don't know, Ryuko's uniform when she's in her sort of like transformed mode. Uh, often like, you know, you're sort of like covering up where like her nipples would be with some some thin straps and stuff like that. Like I, I actually I was like watching these episodes and I was like, I wonder if you could cosplay any of this at a convention without getting like too naked for comfort. And I found some shocking cosplay because uh, <laughs> on an actual human body, I'm pretty sure they had to wear like flesh tone bodysuits or something to be able to get away with it. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure their nipples should be right there. And I can't believe they're wearing this, but also like, you know, props for being that brave, but also like, wow. Uh, because yeah. it really is revealing. So I, th I see what you're saying. I think, I think, I think on the one hand, it's a misinterpretation to say that this show is, you know, hypocritical by, you know, showing us the same fan service that we've seen because it's it's poking fun at that fan service and it's utilizing fan service in a sort of like tongue in cheek way for the narrative. But on the other hand, it is also still utilizing fan service and pretty intense fan service at that. And it's mm -hmm. the difference isn't in the fact that it's not using fan service. And the difference isn't in the fact that it's like using fan service style shots to show us things that are not literally fan service. Like it is fan service shots with actual fan service, but it's just that's not the point. And so it's often like blink and you'll miss it, or it's jiggle physics on boobs that feels more like the punchline to a joke than, you know, some sort of like tantalizing morsel thrown out to like people that are looking for that 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I see what they're saying. You know, it is like it's a show that's making fun of fan service while on a like ironically using that very same fan service. And so like it's making fun of it, but it's still utilizing it. So mm-hmm. I, I could see people being upset with this, but I do agree that it's kind of like it's kind of like reading an onion article and thinking it's a real thing. Where yeah. you're just like, you know, <laughs> I think you're missing the joke and I get it. If you realize that it's a joke and you don't think the joke is funny, we can disagree on that and that's fine. But if you, you know, and I, I suspect maybe that's what the article is getting at without having read the article myself, but I could totally see them just misinterpreting it and being like, you know, they're trying to have their cake and eat it too, which I don't mm. necessarily agree with. Yeah. Well, speaking of aspals that give you powers out of nowhere, mm. um, Nonon is going to use a super powerful ability, which is that she can use a Mozart symphony um, to blast you down with a ray of pure sound. Um, It locks Ryuko down until Ryuko is just like, oh, by the way, what I can do is I can displace all sound and use it to shoot it back at you, Um, which creates a Dragon Ball Z style moment of two giant um, uh, beams that are fired back at each other and one of them ends up getting knocked off and the other one knocks the other person out. Um, and then she is able to use this final moment to slash off um, the symphony regalia uniform. And uh, that leads to a cutaway moment where they're going to uh, start a conversation uh, real quick um, between Smugu and Akaro. Um, they're talking about how, uh, number one, they're going to have to step in soon, um, because Ryuko is getting way, way more powerful than, uh, her, Sinkets is, uh, the thing that she is wearing, um, is becoming more and more powerful as she defeats more and more Goku uniforms because it's upset, it's absorbing more and more of these life fibers and getting stronger and stronger. Um, he gives him a special bullet, um, and it turns out this bullet has the ability to act as like a life fiber starch in order to get the uh the uniform to be unable to move completely um and it will render um Ryuko and uh Sinket's unable to move so that they can be dealt with um and before that happens though um they there is a new challenger entering the field <laughs> yeah this is a uh, a mysterious girl who is the sort of like this is a, a pretty common trope that you see in an anime, and it's one of one of the ones that I really like, which is the girl who is the like overly bubbly, overly cutesy girl that is, you know, thinly disguising a like a homicidal maniac. So this girl shows up. She's recognized by Satsuki as uh, a girl named Nui, and Nui is something called a grand couturier of uh of the revox corporation which is satsuki's mother's corporation which is a big uh a big clothing conglomerate um so she's like a i don't know like a c-level employee in her mom's organization even though she's (laughs) clearly a high school student also because this show is just nutsoids at all time um and also this girl shows up right at the beginning of ryuko's fight against the last elite four member which is a guy who lost his sight after losing to Ryuko the first time because his power had something to do with being able to like see your moves. I don't remember exactly. It was like he 
he had like a hyper reactive sight. And so he could see the subtle changes in your body and interpret the movements that those changes indicated. And so by the time you were making them, he was already reacting to them. So his power gave him basically future sight. And then Ryoko beat him anyway. And so he realized that his eyes were his weakness. So he had himself blinded so that he could fight her again. And I think he did fight her again, right? And then he he like lost again, or he had to do... I think this is their third time fighting. And he has a new suit, and he's about to bust it out, but instead this girl shows up and is like, you're not going to fight him. I'm going to fight him. And he's pissed, so he goes into his like giant, towering mech, going to smash you mode, and she just like sticks a finger in like a, a gap in his armor, and her nails, it like does a quick zoom in and her nails have like, um, I don't know, hooks or something on the be- underside of them that she's like wraps around a life fiber in his suit and pulls it out. And it's this thing. I don't remember them mentioning this before, but it's called a banshee. And the banshee is basically like the core life fiber that makes the Goku uniforms work. And so she like pulls it out and his suit just dissolves. And then she's like, bye. And like kicks him off the platform 300 style. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he is going to fall out and uh, he's going to be like, I need to get back up there and fight. And there's going to be another moment with uh, some male fan service where he is standing there and talking about it. And kind of appreciated um, this male fan service. So I'm a total hypocrite. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so he has his sword in place of where his other things should be. Um, and they're just like, first, before you do anything else, put on some clothes. And he's just like, <laughs> fine. And then the next shot, he's just shown with clothes on. <laughs> um, and so uh, Nui uh, begins her fight with Ryuko. Um, and she shows off, first and foremost, that she has the other half of the scissor blade that killed Ryuko's father. And yes. they take a straight smash cut it into episode 12 spit your sadness away spit which it. is arguably one of the best episodes of kill a kill that i have seen yet um also this such episode, a good title yeah this episode is un- unreally good uh it, it shows first and foremost this great battle that happens between in in flashback mode where nui is fighting against ryuko's father with his scissor blade that he had together as a giant pair of scissors um and their fight is great um it's so like good it's so fast yeah, it's it, there's some back and forth. You also see that Nue used to fight instead of with her half of a scissor blade, which is what she's fighting with now. She used to fight with a uh, a tape measurer um, uh-huh. that I guess is used for tailor's service, and she would like whip it around with a blade that stuck out of it, and she was like slashing up Ryuko's father. Yeah, um, it was it's like great. a great. <laughs> it was like a more whip like version of uh, Renji's sword in Bleach. Which, uh, you know, shameless plug, if you'd like to learn more about that, we do have patron-only episodes of Bleach, so you can join our Patreon, and those are on that page, but you can't listen to yep. it if you're not a patron, so there you go. Yeah. So yeah, she, this is cool, I am I am a sucker for, like, people who fight with whips, or chains, or something that they can, like, whip around themselves. I think it's so cool, and I this is way cooler than the scissor blade. But also, one important thing is that her dad made the scissor blade specifically as a like trump card to all these Goku uniforms. Like the blade has what basically sounds like a magical ability to like hone in on the life fibers and snip that. And so if you're fighting with the scissor blade, you should 
theoretically be able to take out any Goku uniform just by landing one hit on them. Uh, but it's it's a pair of scissors. And so through this fight, like they they actually trade blows back and forth. And in fact, Ryuko's father slashes one of Nui's eyes to the fact to the point that she doesn't have it anymore. So yeah. Uh, and also her eye patch, I it, I think it's a kanji. I believe it's a joke, and I just don't know Japanese well enough to know what the joke is. But if you're out there listening and you do know the joke, please tell me because I can't I can't imagine that that eye patch being in that particular shape isn't a kanji. I I suspected that maybe it was just the kanji for eye because I know that's one character, but I I wasn't sure. So if, if you know what it is, let us know because I'm interested. But anyway, he he slashes her eye out and then she ends up like stabbing him with the scissor blade and like pinning him to the wall. And then Ryuko comes home and calls up from from like the landing. And so uh, so Nui basically panics and breaks off half of the scissors. So that's why she has part of the scissor blade and Ryuko ends up with the other part. Yeah. Yeah, and that takes us into the death scene with her father and uh, the the final cut down from Nui after she, like, loses her mind. Um, and it takes us to Ryuko, and Ryuko is not able to land any hits on, uh, on Nui. Um, and so she just starts to lose control. And when she loses control, she turns into um, a horrible monster amalgamation of Sinkets and Ryuko. Um, her blood is just pouring out of her and it seems to be boiling. Um, and they talk about, hey, if if we don't shut her down, um, she is going to die from blood loss. Um, yeah, and the, the only thing the blood is so hot because she's mad that it's causing Senketsu to lose control. It's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Yeah. Um, and this is also a, a cool spin on things that we've played around with so far, which is that in her fan service form, one of the things that we've seen s- so far is like this beauty to the different characters um, yeah. that like they are, they're, you know, they, they're, you know, nudity and beautifulness and they're playing around with it inside of the show. Yeah, it's, it's um, That's interesting. It's not over sexualized, but it is sort of like an idealized human form Mm -hmm. so it does have a certain artisticness to it and one of the things that is said by nudist beach the uh the group um is they say that like when they these people are fighting they're wearing these ugly clothes and they're talking about how um he is wearing his ugly clothes to fit in with these other people and every time uh we see our our character um before who talks about this which is Ikaro he talks about how like he he slowly is getting out of his clothes as he's talking as if he's trying to get more comfortable inside of the scene um it's played up for comedy but also it kind of makes you think that these people have uh are trying to defeat clothing in general um because it is this thing that covers a beautiful human form and in this moment we have a very visceral representation of the true form of these ugly clothes that they are talking about which is Sinket's losing control and turning into a horrible behemoth monster everything about Ryuko is warped. One of her arms is giant and misshapen. Um, her face is uh, her 
like her teeth on her face are ripping out of her head. Um, her eyes are going different directions. Um, her head seems to be in like a different place. It's like popping out of part of her shoulder. Yeah. Um, it's really grotesque and it gives you this really cool spin on what's going on inside of the show and how it can break down into this. Um, it's the also the only thing it's very dramatic and foreboding uh, mm. as well, which is great. I love that. Yeah. The other thing that is very important that is happening is that there is uh, uh, Lainey Satsuke is going to come down uh, to tell Nui that she needs to stop doing what she's doing. Um, and uh, and then we also find out that uh, Lady Satsuke's mother um, is getting dressed to come be a part of the party. Oh um, Her design and, is out of control. I cannot oh, get enough it's of it. Unreal. It's like the rainbowist, rainbowist, rainbow. Yeah, and um, she seems and, to emit rainbow light from herself, and it's hilarious and it's amazing. And she should definitely be a gay icon. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that you know, if anime goes further mainstream, uh, that it, this will eventually happen. Yeah, um, well, I'm going to put it anyways, in our secret gay newsletter that all gays get, but we don't admit to. Yeah, we'll send it to your queen, Lady Gaga, that she needs to go in as this uh, oh. as this costume for Halloween. Oh my god, that would be um, so good. <laughs> yeah, she would do um, it so well. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so the the last thing that is going to happen inside of this episode is that uh, Mako is going to save Ryuko with her power of friendship. But um, wait, there is. But wait, because the whole Mako thing is the best part of this episode for me and is one of the best laughs I've had watching this show because mm-hmm. Mako sees what's happening. She she knows from from looking at it and also from the Elite Four talking about it around her that what's happening is that uh, Senketsu is is gorging on uh, Ryuko's blood and Ryuko might lose enough blood that it kills her. And Mako's reaction is that's terrible because blood is really valuable because my dad, who's a back alley doctor, will sometimes uh, unknown to the patients steal some of their blood to sell because it's a really good way to make a quick buck. And some of those patients die, but it is a really good way to make money. (laughs) And so she's like rushing to Ryuko's rescue, but she's also like, keeps saying like, no, it's you're, you're like losing money. (laughs) And then like her family shows up because they're too poor to like, keep watching the TV in town where they were. And so they came here in person and she like Mako gets into the car and she's like, we have to go rescue Ryuko. She's losing blood. Think about the money she's losing. And her dad is like, holy shit, we got to get there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, So Mako, the power of friendship, by the way, is taking somebody by the face and slapping them until they come to their senses um, while telling them all about their past. I can't Um, can't point out the number of times that Spencer has repeatedly slapped me in the face while yelling things about our history together uh, until I stopped doing what I was doing. I mean, uh, you know, honestly, every time we see each other, it's just like nonstop. (laughs) Anyways. um, So she is going to slap her back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Um, And uh, and, uh, Ryuko is, is going to go and uh, uh, recover after this. Um, and then um, Satsuke confirmed um, that she was the one who directed Nui to steal the scissor blade. Um, and then she uh, then she uh, 
says that there's going to be a battle that's going to take place against other schools. And this is the next real big part of the show that we're going to walk up to. Um, the the next part of the show, this show, Kill a Kill is not super long, um, but it's yeah, really we're, broken we're, into two big parts. Yeah, we're exactly halfway through. It's 24 episodes. This is episode 12. Yeah. So the first big part you can really take as the first part of the game of a Pokemon series where you battle all the way through the Elite Four. And then once you reach the Elite Four, after that, you have a whole secondary game that's just your play through the universe. Wow, that's where we're about to go on. Fans upset. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> uh, one of the recurring complaints is that there's almost never anything to do of substance after the Elite Four. <laughs> So maybe like uh, maybe like uh, Gen Gen two, where yeah, you beat I'm the Elite saying, Four, and then you get I'm to go to the other like region. Silver. Yeah, I'm saying Silver because like when you beat the Elite Four inside of Silver, you have to go back and you have to defeat Red at the end of the game. And yeah, I'm saying that you're gonna you have to, to go defeat back Red the at the entirety end of, of Kanto and do eight more gems. So there's like, you know, not exactly twice as much as what you've, or uh, you know, half again as much of what you've done, but like. There's a, there's a lot of content, whereas, you know, most most Pokemon games do not actually live up to that. Whatever. I'm I'm not as into it as Blake is, but whatever. Yeah, fix your stick shit. With us, hey, stick what's with weird? us after these credits. What Wait, was that? One last thing. One last thing. What's weird to me is that this episode, these two episodes are all about the mystery. So this whole series up until this point has been Ryuko thinks that Satsuki killed her dad. And Satsuki has not confirmed that, but she's not denied it either. And then in this episode, you find out Satsuki didn't kill her dad. It was this other girl, Nui. And I was like, huh, that's weird because Satsuki is definitely the final boss based on how everything's been going and also the OP. But then at the end of the episode, Satsuki is just very like casually like, yeah, I didn't do it, but I told her to. So I don't know how to feel about any of this. <laughs> okay. Well, all of that being said, uh, stick with us after these credits and we'll talk about what's coming on next time. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, anime fans. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind, a site dedicated to all things geeky. From video games to anime, D&D, board games, comics, and more, since 2015, we've worked to provide fresh geek content and reviews every week. 
A big part of our content expansion has been the creation of our very own podcast network, of which this very show is a part of. And if you're listening to this, chances are you need no introduction to Blake and Spencer, who offer two shows every week covering anime and manga series, both new and old. However, if you're looking for more podcasts to fill your commute, or maybe your new working from home arrangement, we've got a few other shows to spotlight that would be a great addition to any Geeks Media menu. First, there's Comic Book Keepers, where you can join Lance and Chris as they discuss comic books, heroes, and their impact on our lives. If comics aren't really your thing, maybe you're looking to find something exciting out in the geekosphere, do a little exploring, maybe, you can check out John and Ben's Geek Exploration podcast. They cover a variety of topics from video games to the latest Disney announcements, game shows, and more. A real grab bag of geekdom and a fantastic addition to your weekly listening. Maybe you're a Dungeons & Dragons fan. Well, I would invite you to join the Knights of the Rolled Table, a comedic and family-friendly audio drama featuring a cast of improv actors bringing their unique flair to D&D. Whatever your geeky interests, chances are we've got a podcast for you, and we're excited to offer convention access, giveaway content, and more as part of our continued partnership with Blake & Spencer Get Jumped. See you next time. Next time on Blake & Spencer Get Jumped, we're watching Naruto Shippuden, episodes 33 through 38. Where art is something other than explosive. Thank God, finally, for the first time. Oh, man, I am so sick of that phrase. Art is... uh...